Welcome to uh, day 61 of Shaped by the Word. I'm Paul Kemp here with uh, David Dean Keefe and Matthew <laughs> Joseph Kresge, there you our go. usual Friday crew. And it's always fun to end the week this way, uh, reading through Scripture together. We're reading through the book of Acts, and we're in a very powerful place in the book of Acts. You see Stephen, who was chosen as one of the early servants of the church, and as someone who was chosen to wait on tables and make sure that food was you know, distrib- you know, distributed equitably among the Hellenistic Jews and the Hebraic Jews. And we see him you know, serving the church in, in just a very common, ordinary way. But uh, we see him rising to be you know, so much more that in his testimony. And of course, when they chose these servants, they didn't just say, oh, anybody can do that. They said, choose men who are full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom. And so we see a lot of that, unfortunately, as we have come you know, to uh, uh, chapter 7, uh, we've divided it in two. <laughs> he gives us the most wonderful rehearsal of the story of Israel and how it leads to Christ that you could find you know, anywhere in Scripture. Uh, this is what you know, Jesus taught the disciples to do, you know, beginning with Moses and the prophets. He showed how all of this you know, spoke of him. Mm-hmm. And you see uh, Stephen rehearsing you know, this beautifully. So he has already told us about Abraham. He has told us about Joseph. And uh, he has uh, introduced us to Moses' first attempt to lead the people of Israel, which fell flat on its face. <laughs> so uh, Moses will go into the wilderness. He'll be humbled quite a bit. Matter of fact, he'll be one of the most timid leaders you find uh, you know, as God approaches him. Uh, but God uses him mightily. So we pick up in the middle of uh, Stephen's speech in Acts chapter 7, verse 30. But before we do, let's, uh, let's offer ourselves in the moment you know, to the Lord. Matt, do you mind yeah. reading? Yep. I mean, not reading. Would you do both? <laughs> Read your prayer, matter. Matt. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> let, me, let me pray. Father, we, um, we do come and, and offer this moment to you and offer ourselves to you. Thank you that you have spoken to us um, through your word and through your son. Uh, and as we dive into this text together, um, would you use it to transform us into his image? Would you use it to um, encourage us, to remind us of, um, of who Jesus is and what he's done? Um, Father, thank you. For this time together, thank you again for the uh, the means by which we can we can do this together and with our with our church family. Um, God, would you um, would you do what what only you can do in us and through us um, as we read your word? It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Acts chapter seven, verse thirty. We left Moses in the wilderness of Midian. After forty years had passed, an angel appeared to Moses in the flame of a burning bush in the desert near Mount Sinai. When he saw this, he was amazed at the sight. As he went over to get a closer look, he heard the Lord say, I am the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Moses trembled with fear and did not dare to look. Then the Lord said to him, Take off your sandals, for the place where you're standing is holy ground. I have indeed seen the oppression of my people in Egypt. I've heard of their groaning and have come down to set them free. Now come, I will send you back to Egypt." This is the same Moses they had rejected with the words, Who made you ruler and judge? He was sent to be their ruler and deliverer by God himself through the angel who appeared to him in the bush. He led them out of Egypt and performed wonders and signs in Egypt at the Red Sea and for 40 years in the wilderness. This is Moses who told the Israelites, God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your own people. He was in the assembly in the wilderness with an angel who spoke to him on Mount Sinai and with our ancestors, and he received living words to pass on to us. 
but our ancestors refused to obey him. Instead, they rejected him, and in their hearts turned back to Egypt. They told Aaron, Make us gods who will go before us. As for this fellow Moses who led us out of Egypt, we don't know what has happened to him. That is the time they made an idol in the form of the calf. They brought sacrifices to it and reveled in what their own hands had made. But God turned away from them and gave them over to the worship of the sun, the moon, and the stars. This agrees with what was written in the book of the prophets. Did you bring me sacrifices and offerings forty years in the wilderness, people of Israel? You've taken up the tabernacle of Molech, the stars of your god Rephan, the idols you made to worship. Therefore I will send you into exile beyond Babylon. Our ancestors had the tabernacle of the covenant law with them in the wilderness. It had been made as God directed Moses according to the pattern that he had seen. After receiving the tabernacle, our ancestors under Joshua brought it with them when they took the land from the nations God drove out before them. It remained in the land until the time of David, who enjoyed God's favor and asked that he might provide a dwelling place for the God of Jacob. But it was Solomon who built a house for him. However, the Most High does not live in houses made by human hands, as the prophet says. Heaven's in my, heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. What kind of house will you build for me, says the Lord? Or where will my resting place be? Has not my hand made all these things? You stiff-necked people, your hearts and your ears are still uncircumcised. You're just like your ancestors. You always resist the Holy Spirit. Was there ever a prophet your ancestors did not persecute? They even killed those who predicted the coming of the righteous one. And now you have betrayed and murdered him. You have received the law that was given through the angels, but you have not obeyed it. When the members of the Sanhedrin heard this, they were furious and gnashed their teeth at him. But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, looked up to heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Look, he said, I see the heavens open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. This they covered their ears, and yelling at the top of their voices, they all rushed at him, dragged him out of the city, and began to stone him. Meanwhile, the witnesses laid their coats at the feet of a young man named Saul. While they were stoning him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he fell on his knees and cried out, Lord, do not hold this sin against him. When he had said this, he fell asleep. And Saul approved of their killing him. We have here uh, the first martyr of the church, mm-hmm. Stephen, a man who uh, chosen to wait on tables but proved uh, to be more, you know, so much more than just an administrator. He was a servant of the church in every way he could possibly be. And God was, you know, working through him powerful signs as he was working, you know, through the apostles. And he proves, you know, powerful in speech. And he does, you know, come before the Sanhedrin and convincingly, so convincingly, uh, you know, gives them their story and uses it a mirror, you know, to, to shine their own reactions, you know, toward, you know, to reflect their own reactions towards Jesus that they actually just uh, cover their ears and start yelling you know at the top it's a kind of a junior high thing maybe maybe <laughs> insulting to junior high kids <laughs> sorry you're, junior high you're, kids here you're at this point so what are some of the things that stand out as we continue in the story you know of Israel I mean just thinking of Moses right he kind of he kind of broke Moses up into kind of you know three stages of kind of these 40 years so he had that first attempt and now that kind of second attempt is is kind of gone by he's in, been in the wilderness for a while and then all of a sudden here, here comes god you know just out in the middle of nowhere and bringing him in and saying you know I, i've heard the cries of my people I, I know what's going on and so 
I'm going to send you now to rescue them. Love getting to see the heart of God in that. Oh, absolutely. And, and we should say, you know, he's taken us through all of the covenants, the covenant, you know, with Abraham. And, of course, the covenant on, you know, Sinai, you know, with the giving of the law. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, the covenant, you know, of, of, of David mm-hmm. in, in preparation, you know, for the new covenant. Yeah. Part of me wishes he would have waited and to say you stiff-necked people until he finished that's know, right his, he, he went to the punch line like, a little bit early <laughs> uh, like, man i wanted to see what he did when he got yeah, the prophets we were know, yeah but, we were imagining yesterday that the more he tells yeah. his story the more he, he could see the audience is not with him uh, all right let uh, me apply this real quick yeah, real quick yeah. let's jump to the conclusion and maybe you know maybe even in hearing you know these final words We've already been told, you know, Peter in his speech said, you know, God sent Jesus to you in order to prepare Israel to repent. Yeah. And uh, even in that moment, you know, that they might be convicted and repent and, and turn to God. That's mm. not what they did, you know, in this particular instance. Yeah. And I'm just reminded, I mean, the accusations they made, right, that he continues to speak against the holy place and the law. And when he gets to the end... You know, he says, however, the Most High does not live in houses made by human hands, as the prophet says. You know, you're thinking way too small. You know, God is so much bigger than just this local place that you know you've, right. you've you dwell in. You know, you've really. When we saw Jesus come, he says, "You've turned the house of God into a den of robbers." You know, and and so you have Stephen saying, "You thought too small." You know, when it comes to who God is and where he dwells, heaven is his throne and the earth is his footstool. What kind of house will you build for me? You know, he's quoting their, yeah. their Old Testament that they're so familiar with. And then I love kind of how he's, he pushes back too. you're just like the stiff-necked people that constantly rejected God's law. You know, so here you are upholding the temple and the law and, and accusing me of being the lawbreaker. That's right. And you yourself. You you accused. read the story. When you read the story of Israel, you must often want to associate associate yourself with the heroes of the story, which would be Abraham and Moses and, and, and David mm-hmm. and, and Joseph, you know, mm-hmm. in succession of that. But really, you are more reflected in those who resisted, uh, Ab- you know, uh, resisted, you know, not so much Abraham, but resisted, you know, Joseph and resisted, you know, his brothers or the rest of the tribes rejected him you rejected moses as you moses as your leader Mm -hmm. and uh you are the generation that didn't was stiff-necked and didn't go into and receive you know god's promise Mm -hmm. so whenever we're tempted to see ourselves as heroes of scripture you should probably look to the anti-heroes and that's uh, (laughs) that's probably where you'll find your reflection (laughs) you're not david who took down you know goliath with the u.s smooth stone you are the people of israel cowering in the background not willing in the power of god to face your enemies Yeah, no, we're, we're the people in, in here who've seen the Red Sea, and we've spent the 40 years in the wilderness, and then we still are going after these other gods and turning our hearts back to Egypt, um, not seeing you know the wonder and, and the greatness of what our God has done for us. Isn't that a haunting phrase? In their Golly. hearts, they mm-hmm. turned back to Egypt. And uh, so often true of us in our hearts, we we turn you know back to our stuff and our prestige and, uh, you know, kind of little goals and tick marks, you know, that we've set for ourselves uh, rather than realizing uh, what we have been given, you know, in Christ. And so these lesser things sometimes grab our hearts. Instead of looking to Christ, we look back to stuff. Mm. Even that crazy phrase in in verse 40, they told Aaron, make us gods who will (laughs) go before, like, hey, can you make us a god real quick, Aaron? Like, because that's what we want to serve, this 
man-made thing when, <laughs> when they've seen the creator God doing such wonderful things in and around them and for them. Um, and, and I think it's so silly, but I also know that the things that I idolize and the things that I right. give my time and my devotion and my energy and resources to uh, are just as silly as There are things your hands have made or your hands have acquired for you that become bigger than they were ever intended to be. They're gifts of common grace, and yet the gifts of common grace becomes more valuable to us or steals our affection from the extraordinary grace, you know, that we have, you know, in the Lord Jesus, you know, in the Lord mm-hmm. Jesus Christ. So we do, uh, we do make gods for ourselves out mm-hmm. of our stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, and those things, right, that are our idols and, and our sin, I think lead us, like what he's saying, you stiff-necked people, your hearts and ears are still uncircumcised, just like your ancestors. Since you always resist the Holy Spirit, was there ever a prophet your ancestors did not persecute? And here you have, I mean, the final prophet, you know, Jesus himself persecuted. And not just persecuted, but you, you killed the righteous one. And and I'm just reminded that even in the long line of, of prophets who the people persecuted, here we, I mean, you almost see this, it's being anticipated that when Jesus does come, the final prophet, he will be persecuted. And here the people are just, they're resisting. And, and even still, as Stephen is proclaiming truth, they're calling him a liar, you know, and rush to stone and kill him. What a pretty remarkable scene there at the end. Um, You know, they gnash their teeth, they're furious. But Stephen, you know, verse 55, full of the Holy Spirit, looked up to heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Um, You know, obviously, Jesus is sitting at the right hand of God. Now he's standing in light of all that's going on with Stephen. And so just a beautiful scene where I see heaven and the Son of Man standing at the right hand uh, of God. No, that that, uh, seems to be, you know, most of the time when we, in Scripture, encounter, you know, Christ's position, he is seated at the right hand of God, uh, you know, which is a, you know, play on Psalm 110. Here, you know, we we see him somehow, you know, rising. I'm not sure, you know, what all that entails, but there's a sense of urgency, you know, in in Christ as he sees his servant, you know, suffering. Mm -hmm. So the identity of Christ and the suffering of his people, you know, seems to be at the the background there. And, of course, what a vision, you know, as he's being stoned, which would be hard to imagine dying like that. You know, one, Mm -hmm. you know, just bruise at a time, one concussion at a time until finally there's no life, you know, left in you. Uh, how painful and how long and how arduous, you know, that must have been. And yet he sees this vision of Jesus, and not only does he see this vision of Jesus, but he offers us, you know, a reflection of Jesus. Mm-hmm. When he says, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit, which mm-hmm. is the word of Jesus on the cross, Father, into your hands, I commit my spirit, and Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And then he fell asleep. Euphemistically, he, he died. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But according to the promise of Jesus on the cross was that hour with Jesus mm-hmm. in paradise. And then we're set up for the rest of the story. And Saul <laughs> was there approving uh, of their killing. Mm-hmm. We're introduced to Gamaliel, you know, who was his teacher mm-hmm. uh, a couple of chapters earlier, who advised everyone to let this run its course because it might be from God. You can imagine Paul hated that suggestion uh, because he was... Uh, we're going to find him in the next chapter breathing murderous threats mm-hmm. against God's people. 
Matt, do you mind closing us with a word of prayer? Yeah. Did, you opened, didn't you? I did. You yeah. read your prayer earlier. Do this one from your heart. <laughs> do this prayer do a little bit more from your heart. Yeah. <laughs> Father, we, um, we're thankful for your word. Uh, thank, thank you as we read this. Um, not only do we see the glory and the greatness of Jesus, the righteous one who we put to death, um, but we, we're reminded um, of the grace that we have in you. We're reminded that that we're just like um, those people in the Old Testament that we read and, and we think we're so much better than at times. We're reminded that um, just like them, we we sin against you. We we walk in disobedience often. We're constantly rejecting you, and yet you pursue us. Um, Father, thank you for the grace that we do have in Christ Jesus. Thank you um, that even now um, you're doing a great work in us, um, holding us, drawing us to yourself. Um, and so, Father, we ask that you would continue to do that more and more uh, for your glory, for our good. Um, would we find our joy and our satisfaction in you and not in other things? And God, help us to, to keep ourselves from idols and, um, and remember the great salvation that we have um, in Christ Jesus. It's in his name we pray. Amen.